You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Take your seats. Well, as Martin said, this is our final morning in the book of Ephesians in this series on This is Kingdom Living. And to come and read the scriptures to us this morning, we've got Tolu, who this morning is functioning both sides of the sound desk. So let's give him a round of applause as he comes to read the scriptures. I'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10 and ending at verse 24. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will be fearless, so I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything, so that you also may know how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen. Thank you, Tolu. Well, here we are. We're at the end of Paul's letter, his letter that he wrote to this group of churches around eastern Turkey. There has been so much packed in this letter. I hope you've enjoyed the series as much as I have, maybe here in person or catching up on the podcast. So much to take on board as we journey through these few six chapters. You know, in the last few weeks, we've heard about some of the call to unity, to maturity, for each one of us to be on with the ministry that we've been called to. We've heard a call to purity, living out a new identity, getting rid of an old way of behaving because that's not who I am anymore. And last week in Ephesians 5, the call for us all to learn to submit to one another. In whatever domestic situation we might find ourselves, to live with a yieldedness of heart one to another. We've been unpacking a bit what kingdom living can and should look like. And really those last few weeks, they were the outworking of where we began in the first few weeks. The first few chapters of Ephesians, where really Paul unpacks some of the amazing, mind-blowing truths of the gospel. 
And I'm just going to take us back there to recap for a moment something of the breathtaking landscape that Paul paints for us to remind us this morning of what we've been called to, what Paul would call the hope to which we've been called. Can I remind us this morning we've been chosen? Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he said, he chose you. He came to find you and he came to rescue you and to adopt you and to make you sons and daughters. He came to redeem you when you had been carried off and you were not free and he came to pay the price to ransom you and to bring you back. He said, God has come and enlightened you and revealed himself to you and then sealed you with his own Holy Spirit. He has put his spirit in us to live in us as a deposit a deposit guaranteeing that everything is promised, it's gonna come to pass one day. This is just the beginning of what we've been given in Christ. Paul has reminded the Ephesians of the incomparably great power for us who believe. The same power, he said, that raised Christ from the dead. The same power that took him out of the grave and put life in his body and then exalted him in the highest place. He said, it's here. It's here for us who believe to work in us, to work through us, to give us all that we need in every situation. Incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul has reminded the Ephesians, guys, we were objects of wrath. We lay under the heavy weight of God's judgment. But instead of delivering that against us, God has done something phenomenal and come and saved us by grace. A salvation we could never deserve, we could never work for ourselves, but he's come through for us to open up a landscape for us to walk in. And he's seated us with Christ. If you like, he's given us a place on the family bench, given us a name that is his family name, a new identity, empowered to live a new life. He's made us his workmanship that we might display his grace, that we might show to the world how good and how gracious and how merciful God is because he managed to save me. And if he can save me, he can save anybody. We've been made into a community to dwell together. And when we do that, that he would actually come and dwell in it and presence himself in it. A community that's called to display God's wisdom to the world around us but also into the heavenly realms. A community that is church that brings glory to God. A community which God has committed to work through. It says it talks of the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power at work in us to bring glory to him through the church. This is what we've been called to, friends. To be saved as individuals but to be gathered as community that God has got an eternal, majestic plan to rescue mankind through. Friends, I don't know if you've gathered this as we've been through Ephesians. The calling on us, the calling on you, it is magnificent. It is glorious. It is bigger than we've even yet imagined. It is majestic. It is holy. It is eternally significant. Is there anyone else excited in the room this morning? At what has been laid out before us? And we're called to kingdom living, that we might fully enter in, that we might fully take part in this place we've been given in God's rescue plan for mankind. Is there anyone here this morning who wants to play a full part? Then let me hear an amen. Amen. We want to play our part. So this is where Paul is in Ephesians. He's laid this all out before the Ephesian church. He's unpacked it into what life needs to look like Monday to Friday as we go after kingdom living. And then as we come towards the end of the letter, 
Paul says, please don't lose sight of all this glory, of all that's been given you, of all that's been poured out to you, of everything that you're called to do. Don't lose sight of it, but I've got one more thing to say. There's one more thing that you need to know. And essentially he says, it's not without a fight. It's not without a fight. It won't be without a fight. It's all there for us to walk in. It's all been paid for, but it won't be without a fight. Paul begins this section with the word finally. And really, the word finally here, it doesn't mean last. It means henceforward. It means from now on. It means for the remaining time. So friends, I'm sorry to say this, but basically from now on until Christ returns, it's not without a fight. There's glory for us to live in, but it's not without a fight. Let me briefly, briefly give a bit of background. You know, Christ did come and he did defeat the devil at the cross and when he rose again. He, he defeated the devil and all the demonic angels and hosts, but the devil has not yet surrendered and conceded defeat on the earth. He does not wish to give up his rule because it is all that he has. The devil knows that when his day on the earth is done, then he is done. So he is fighting for whatever he can have, whatever he can hold on to, whatever he can spoil, whatever he can steal, he is holding on to. He and his principalities and powers will continue to exercise authority wherever they can get away with it for as long as they can, unless we, the people of God, enforce Christ's victory over them. Until we do so, they will carry on seeking to rule, seeking to reign, until Christ's return, at which point the devil's day will be done forever and ever. But for now, as Paul says to the Ephesians, it's not without a fight. It's all there for us to walk in, but it's not without a fight. The Ephesians were going to face opposition. If you read 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, you'll get a feel of some of what that opposition was. We will face opposition. Every believer, every church on the earth will face opposition if we seek kingdom living, if we seek to outwork this kingdom and live in the call that Christ has put before us. And in these final thoughts that Paul brings this morning, he uses a military picture, the armor of God. Now, let me make it really clear. Paul is not calling us here to physical violence or physical arms. But you know, when Paul wrote the letter, he was sitting as a prisoner chained to a Roman soldier, and perhaps not fully armed, probably not fully armed, but a soldier in all his gear on the end of a chain. It's not surprising this was a vivid picture for Paul and helped him to explain the battle and the struggle that as believers we were going to face. So here this morning, a few points, five simple points from what Paul points out to the Ephesians to help them, to help them to guard themselves, to help them to stand in the fight that would follow. So number one, kingdom living is not without a fight, so you'd better know where to find strength. You'd better know where to find strength. He begins this section here, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You know, from now on, there is gonna be a fight, there is gonna be a battle. But he says you need to find strength in the Lord. If you're gonna come through this, you're gonna need strength. You're gonna need might, you're gonna need power but we don't need to be afraid. Maybe like me, you feel small sometimes. Maybe like me, you feel afraid sometimes. Maybe you're aware of all that you're not and all of your vulnerabilities and all the things that you find difficult. Maybe you don't think that. Maybe you think you've got it all together and you can take this adversary on. And might I say this morning, if you think that you're mistaken, you're perhaps more at risk than the rest of us. The truth is none of us can stand against this enemy alone. 
The enemy that we face is powerful and wicked, cunning, deceitful. He is a bully and a beguiler. He intimidates and insinuates. He uses force and fraud. He accuses and condemns, and he is without mercy. And if we seek to stand in our own strength and do this by ourselves, we're foolish. We will not stand as Paul desires that we would. He will take us out, but Paul reminds the Ephesians and he reminds us this morning that we don't have to stand in our own strength. He says, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in his might. You see, all that we need is in him, his strength, his might, his power. The same things that overcame the enemy at the cross and at the grave, the working of his mighty strength and power, that same power is here for us to access every day to defeat the enemy in our lives. Be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. We can ask him for his strength. We can ask him for his might. We can ask him for his power. It's been made available for us, and we are going to need it. We need to call on it. Do you know, God isn't looking for us to prove to him how strong we are and what we can do without him. Sometimes we think that's the case. Occasionally, in really stupid moments, I wonder what I could do without God. But you know, God already knows the answer, and when I think about it, I know the answer, and then I don't stay very long at that thought. You know, he's looking for us to learn to stand in him with his strength, leaning on him, learning to quickly run to him, cry to him, call out to him, to learn to draw on his power and his strength to help us, to protect us, to bring us through, to protect us in and from our own weakness. You know, the more I learn to acknowledge my weakness and come to Christ quickly in moments when I need him, the stronger I am. The quicker I come, the quicker I bow down, the quicker I cry out to him, the stronger I am my need of him. To really find strength in him, we do need to be honest. It requires us to be open before God about my weakness, about my vulnerability, to run quickly to him when there's thoughts in my mind that frankly shouldn't be there. They're not the times that I want to run to God because I'm not proud of what's in me, but those are the times I need him. Those are the times I gotta run quickly. I gotta say, Jesus, what do I do with this? I'm sorry it's here, but please don't let this go any further in my heart or in my head because it won't be good. In his power and might and strength, there's always enough for me and there's always enough for you. And Paul is calling us to be strong in the Lord, in his mighty power. Kingdom living is not without a fight, so we must know where to find strength. Number two this morning, kingdom living is not without a fight. Paul says, so you'd better know who your enemy is. You better know who your enemy is. It sounds like that's a really obvious one, but actually it isn't. I think most of us know in our lives there's a fight to be had. Most of us know there's opposition. Some people, even in this week, you know there's opposition. You don't need a preacher to come and tell you there's opposition in your life. But often we're less clear about exactly who the enemy is. You know, arguably the best premiership manager is Jose Mourinho. I know that might be a controversial comment. It's unusual for Rose to applaud that particular remark, but there we are. I have checked my source on this, but I can't guarantee there's no bias. It was an in-house source. You know, Mourinho, he calls himself the special one. You may or may not agree with that, but he does have an incredible record in finals and on big occasions. In fact, in 12 out of 14 big finals, his team has won. That is an impressive record, the last one just being in the Europa Cup final uh, a month ago. Now, many say that his strength is his strategy. He thinks it through, he understands the opposition. He knows their strengths, he knows their weaknesses, he understands their threats so he can neutralize it, and that is his 
great strength. Now, I'm not a big fan of Jose Mourinho personally. I think he's a man with many flaws. But on this, I think we can learn from him that he knows his opposition. He knows who the enemy is. And Paul is saying, you need to know. You need to be clear who your enemy is. And he says in verse 12, your struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not flesh and blood. It's not people. Now, I know for all of us, some days it feels like it is. The person in the office, the neighbor who yells at you when you park your car in the wrong place, the people who are perpetually horrible to you. Maybe it's a family member. We can all think of something who we think, surely it is flesh and blood. I've got evidence here. It is flesh and blood. But he says, no, it's not flesh and blood. It's not flesh and blood. He says, our battle is against the rulers, the authorities against the powers of this dark world, he says, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. As one version puts it, it's against the spiritual agents that come from the very headquarters of evil. The key thing for us to know is that our enemy is unseen. It is not flesh and blood. Paul is telling us that the fight for kingdom living takes place in the unseen realms where the spiritual forces dwell. It's hard for us to understand because we want to see it. We, we, we understand so much by what we see. And so when we're told it's unseen, we're like, oh, what am I meant to do with that then? But the thing we need to know is that this opposition, it doesn't come with an announcement. It doesn't come with identification, with a warning of where it's from. There'll be nothing to clearly mark where it has come from or who has sent it. And we so often underestimate what happens in the unseen realms just because we can't see it. And most commonly, we assume that our issue or our enemy is someone or some group of people. And so we tend to rise up in opposition against them. We focus our energies. We rehearse our conversations. We waste a lot of emotional energy. Maybe that's just me. We tend to rise up and defend ourselves and fight against other people, sometimes even in the church. Historically, especially in the church. And Paul has made much in his letter to the Ephesians of unity, calling the believers to stand together. Because so often the fight against kingdom living comes in the shape of discord, disunity, an issue, a problem, an offense, unforgiveness. I don't think we can say it enough times. Let's be quick to apologize, quick to forgive. Because if we know who our enemy is and what he exploits, we know that those are the places he comes to find a foothold. You know, occasionally in the pressure of military conflict, troops accidentally mistake one of their own comrades or an ally or a neutral for the enemy and they take them down. They're killed by so-called friendly fire, where something becomes a target because they get mistaken for the enemy. And friends, we must know who our enemy is so as not to cause collateral damage. Collateral damage in others when we we fail to identify our real common enemy at work, but unseen. Because flesh and blood is not our enemy. And if we don't realize this, we will waste time and energy and inflict damage on others who are not the cause. Albeit they may be contributors to our pain, but they're not the cause, they're not the source. Our battle is not primarily against them. It's a spiritual battle that takes place in the unseen realm. So Paul reminds the Ephesians, he reminds us this morning, kingdom living, it's not without a fight. So we need to know who our enemy is. Thirdly, Paul says, kingdom living is not without a fight. So you'd better be ready. You'd better be ready. Know where your strength comes from. Know who the enemy is. And then he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand. So you don't get shoved over in the fight. So you don't get pushed. So you don't fall. 
Put it on, he says. There's some action from us required. We're not going to go through all the pieces of armor this morning one by one, as some of us may have done in the past. Time doesn't allow for that. But Paul begins here by saying, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. A more literal translation of this would be with your loins girded up with truth. Your loins girded up with truth. Now, maybe like you, uh, like me, you don't know what that means. Maybe you do know what that means. I was like, loins girded up with truth. What on earth does that mean? Well, let me briefly explain. For men of this era, they, in that era, they wore long tunics. That's what everybody wore. And they had a leather belt around their middle. And normally that was how they walked around, legs covered, loads of fabric wafting around, all very nice. But if they had to work or travel, if they faced a dangerous or a difficult situation, if there was something that uh, a fight was required in some ways, if there was battle, then they would gird up the tunic into the belt. They would literally take the fabric and they would fold it up into the belt so that they could walk unimpeded, so they could run unimpeded. Essentially, it was a way of getting ready. Essentially, it was getting some things out of the way that would otherwise hold them back. So really, when Paul is saying this to the Ephesians, he's saying, get ready, get ready, man up. There's a fight coming and you need to get ready. You need to be sorted out. You need to have dealt with what you need to and be ready for what's coming. And the key item for enabling this readiness was the belt, the truth. Now, Paul has already spoken in Ephesians about the truth on numbers of occasions. He's made it clear that it is really necessary for life and we need truth. We need truth in terms of a correct understanding about God and what he's done. That's why we talked this morning with Ryan about the importance of doctrine, that we hold to that in the church, because truth brings freedom. And we also need truth in the sense of integrity of heart, honesty of our own hearts. And the picture of the belt helps us because we can understand what would happen if we take that picture to a full extent. Because if a fight is coming or something difficult is coming and we don't gird up our loins with truth, then when the fight comes or when we start to run or we start to do something, there's going to be all this fabric. There's going to be all this stuff where we need it not to be. It's going to get in the way. We're going to impede it. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to trip over. You're going to end up flawed by things that should have been dealt with, with truth in the journey. The little lies that we've tolerated, the patterns of lust in our thinking, the habitual negativity in our thought patterns, which deny God's truth about who we are and what he's done. And compared to those in the world around us, those things don't look that bad, but they need dealing with, with truth. They need girding up. They need bringing to truth and dealing with and moving out of the way. You know, the devil hates transparent truth. Light causes him to flee because he has nowhere left to hide. This is why honesty about ourselves is indispensable in being ready for what God is leading us into and the fight that will come with it. Paul knew that truth was going to be a battle in, uh, in Ephesus. If you read some things in Acts and Timothy, that all becomes clear. But for us also, there's a battle for truth. There's a fight for it. Some people are lost because they don't act in truth about their own heart or they don't pursue the truth of who God is and how that can impact their lives. We need to not pretend that we're something we're not or we'll be found with no belt, no way to gird up our loins, no way to be ready, tripping over things that we shouldn't be tripping over. Paul's saying to them and to us, we must pursue truth. And because kingdom living isn't without a fight, 
we'd better be ready. Fourthly, this morning, kingdom living is not without a fight, so you'd better get trained. It's slightly different to being ready. Paul goes on to mention some other equipment that would be needed for the fight. He talks about a shield of faith to extinguish the fiery arrows of the evil one, a helmet of salvation, the assurance that we're saved, that we're accepted and loved before God, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the rhema word of God, his word alive and dynamic, living in us, speaking into our situation. You know, all of these things, they're great things to take up, but you can't just take them up and use them on a, as a one-off. These are things that need developing, that need nurturing in our lives. Day by day, growing in faith, taking our challenges to the word of God, trusting him, standing on his promises, praying, learning to live in the assurance of our salvation and overcoming doubt in us, learning to walk as sons and daughters in acceptance, renewing our minds with an understanding of who we are in Christ, growing in confidence in the one who saved us, learning to be open and sensitive to God, to allow him to speak to us through his word and for it to be alive in us. These require training. No one would think of going straight into battle without any training. No military force would ever send people out to the front line with no training at all in how to use the tools that they need to use. And this is no different. This is no different. If we try just to pick these up in the day when things are tough for us, when pressure comes, we will find ourselves ill-equipped to use the things that we have been given. shield of faith, the sword of the spirit. Are we training in the word? There's no point in having a checklist of whether I've done my devotions this week, but I do need to know if I'm training in the word. Am I building faith in my life? Am I dealing with my thought patterns, my helmet of salvation? Am I learning to live in the assurance that I'm loved, in the assurance that I'm saved, in the assurance I'm accepted? Because when the battle comes and when the fight comes, I need these things to be second nature. I need them to be trained. I need them to become part of who I am. We need to get trained. We need to practice. And so Paul says, take up. Take up the tools that you need. Take them up. Don't wait for the fight to become so intense that you can't hold back anymore. Take it up. Get the word out. Pay attention to what's in your mind. Build your faith. Make those choices. Kingdom living is not without a fight, so you'd better get trained. And finally, number five, kingdom living is not without a fight, so you'd better pray. See, Paul introduces all these different items of armor, these different areas, and then he gets to verse 18 and he says, and pray. And pray. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And I want to say here, this isn't an addition to the other things. This, is, this needs to permeate all the other things. Every area of life, every aspect of the fight, and pray. And just to really make it clear that this is about something that needs to go through all of our lives, Paul uses some, the, the word all a lot. He says, all kinds of prayer and requests. Always keep on praying for all the saints, which is God's people, and pray also for me. All occasions, all kinds of prayer. 
for all God's people and pray also for me. Friends, we need to learn to pray. Prayer is like the air cover for a military operation. It is the covering and the protection. It's the source of real might and strength. Earlier in the verses, Paul's picture is more of hand-to-hand combat. But here when he starts to talk about prayer, we're talking about air cover. We're talking about changing something in the heavenly realms where the battle is taking place. Pray, pray, pray. Pray all occasions, all kinds of prayer and requests, always for all the saints. John Stott in his commentary on Ephesians, he says this, most Christians pray sometimes with some prayers, with some degree of perseverance for some of God's people. But Paul is calling the Ephesians to another level of prayer. He says if you understand the fight, there'll be another level of prayer you're called to. And it's a prayer of all, all things, all times, all kinds, on all occasions for all people. We need prayer to cover everything. You know, I think we're coming into a season in the life of the church where we need prayer that covers everything. We're going to need to all rise up. I think the Lord is going to call us to another level of prayer in this house because if we're going to call and step up into kingdom living, there's a need to pray. There's a need to cover everything in prayer. You know, I once had to deal with a situation where there was a person who was being resistant in a situation where God had specifically asked me to bring some change. I'm not one who's always keen to bring change, but I'm happy to do what God asked me to do. But in this situation, there was someone being particularly resistant, and I knew there was a spiritual resistance behind this. Now, I've been in a few situations before where there's been something spiritual that is around intimidation and control, and I recognized that there was something spiritual at play in this situation, and that was seeking to hold on to something that the Lord was seeking to release. So I knew I, there was no point just getting confrontational about it with the person. It's not flesh and blood. I knew that wouldn't achieve anything. It would just be wasted energy. So I knew I needed to pray, and I began to pray. And I shared with someone else who I, know, I knew knows how to pray, and they also prayed. And I've got to tell you that whenever I prayed into this situation, I felt intimidated. I felt it in my spirit. It was tangible. And I knew that a day was coming when I was going to have to go and have a conversation and take the ground that I was praying for to take. I wasn't looking forward to it. It was an intimidating season. But a time came and I arranged to see them and I got up on that morning, I wasn't looking forward to it and I'd set aside to pray for a time beforehand. And as I began to pray that morning, I began to pray into it and I was like, something's different. And as I began to pray, I could sense that something in the unseen had completely shifted. The intimidation that had been there before was no longer there. It had gone. I just knew at this point I still needed to go and have the conversation. And I needed to make sure I wasn't afraid just out of the journey I journeyed spiritually. But I just needed to walk in and do what God had asked me to do. And so off I went to have the conversation. And before I said anything, the person said they felt that they needed to lay down what they'd been holding that it hadn't been easy for them coming to that decision, but they were gonna let go. It was so different with what I'd been presented with before. And after the conversation, I came back, I got on the phone to the person who'd been praying, and I said, I can't believe what's happened. Something has completely shifted. And she said, yes, the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me sleep last night, so I prayed all night. Prayer changes things in the unseen realms. It is the air cover that allows us then to go in and do what God is asking us to do and to live in. 
prayer releases power in the unseen places, in the place where the battle is. And we can't always see those things, and we don't understand always what's going on in the heavenlies, but when we pray, and particularly if we don't know how to pray, to be able to pray in tongues give us a great way to impact what is happening in the unseen places. And friends, we need to learn to pray in ways that neutralizes the threat of the enemy. See, prayer makes a way for the power of Jesus and his victory to be brought to bear in the unseen places where the battle takes place. So friends, this morning, as we come to the end of Ephesians, there is a glorious calling for us to walk in, a glorious calling of a part to play in God's purposes, to be part of his coming kingdom as we commit and walk in kingdom living. But it's not without a fight. It's not without a fight. Paul didn't want to be harsh to the Ephesians, and I don't want to be harsh here this morning, but he longed for them to stand and not be lost. And friends, I long for you to stand and not be lost. There's a good day gonna come when Christ returns, and I want every one of you to be there and not to have got lost on the way or fallen or tripped. So friends, we must know where to find strength. We must know who the enemy is. We must be ready, we must get trained, and in all these things, we have to pray. And then I love where Paul ends his letter. He says this, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. There's loads for us to do. There's loads for us to attend to. And then he finishes here, grace. The undeserved favor, the undeserved kindness and provision of God, that even in this, where we're called to put some things into practice, where we're called to get some things in order, he says, grace to you. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And even as we step out to equip ourselves and be everything that we need to for kingdom living, that we'd be undergirded by the grace of Jesus, everything we need is in him. Let's pray together. I'm going to encourage us. Let's stand together and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for the wonder of what you've called us to. We thank you for the glory of what you are on with, of what you have won for us, of what you have laid out before us to walk in. And Lord, we are still only just getting our heads around the magnitude of what it is, this kingdom living. But Lord, we want to walk in everything that you have for us. And so we pray this morning that you would help us in the fight, that you would help us to find strength in you, that you would help us to know who the enemy is, you'd help us to be ready, you'd help us to get trained, you'd teach us to pray, Lord, day by day. And as we grow and step up in all these things, we ask for your grace to cover us, each one of us, Lord. Your provision and your protection, your undeserved favor and kindness. And we say like Paul this morning, grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love, Lord. We open our hearts to your grace again this morning. So grateful for all that you've already done and relying on your grace for every day that lies ahead. We thank you, we worship you, and we love you, King Jesus. Amen.